Hi, Stephen. Hi, Erica. We're recording again. It's been a while. It's when it, we last recorded an episode. Almost a month ago. No, no, no. It was no. ten days ago that we re- released the last episode. Uh, no, not ten days. Just when that it was the fifteenth, and today's the twenty eighth. It really, but we recorded it in the mountains on May. That wasn't the last one. We did one since then. Was it really? Yep. <laughs> I've forgotten. Because in the mountains, we watched the first two episodes. Oh, was it just? Yeah. Did we watch two? Yes. We watched two. And then we watched the, the escape trip to the mountains here. Right. Hmm. Speaking of which, these yeah. titles, I, I think it's funny that Doctor Who's um, penchant for spoilerific titles started really, <laughs> really early because you get you get the escape, yep. where they escape at the end, and then this time we watched, oh yeah, we should probably say what we watched. The Ambush. The Ambush, episode, episode four. four. Yep. Yeah. Of? Of the Daleks. There we go. Or possibly the mutants, depending on uh, which... Which thing you're looking yeah. at? But we don't need to go into that again. Well, no. What even added more confusion uh, in the 10th anniversary edition of the Radio Times in England um, in 1973, they released a episode guide, an episode guide of all the mm-hmm. stories that happened up to that point. And conf- even more confusingly, they just chose the first, the name of the first episode for each story as like that's what it was called. So this was the dead planet. This was the dead planet. So, oh, weird. Yeah, that might be a reason why an unearthly child sort of caught on as a mm. a story title, um, which is a terrible title when you think about it for that serial because yeah. it's a uh, you know the, only the first episode really revolves around Susan, the unearthly child. Mm-hmm. None of the rest of it is. It should have been like the caveman. It's kind of like if Rose and the End of the World were one story, and. Like on the new yeah. series, mm-hmm. <laughs> like would you call that Rose and have it be, or would you call it the end of the world? You know, that would also mm-hmm. be kind of misleading. So I think it would be better in the new series to have it be called Rose because it's still revolving around Rose and really <laughs> in pretty much everything forever and ever it revolves around Rose. <laughs> wow. Whereas we don't have things revolving around Susan. No, but we do have it revolving around the companions a lot. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Okay, before we get too far into this, mm-hmm. I wanted to. Um, Every so often, point out the fact that we are on the Incomparable Network. That's right. Yep. So we're not going to do like, you know, an ad read or anything for the Incomparable, but we genuinely like it because we listen to their podcast. So we're pretty happy to be here. I subscribe to the, um, the what's it called? The Super Feed? The, the All Master Incom- Feed? The Master Feed, I think, which has absolutely everything on it, mm-hmm. including this, including this here that you're listening to right now. Yep. Um, like um, Total Party Kill, which you're on. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, Inconceivable. Yep. Um, and then there's the counterclockwise I've listened to as well. There's everything that's on Lots there. Lots of things. The one that I kind of wanted to call out because right. it's, well, it's not exactly <laughs> recent anymore, but there's a fairly new, new-ish podcast on the Incomparable Network called Unjustly Maligned, which is a fantastic idea. It is a uh, a podcast where Anthony Johnston, a, a lovely fellow, brings on a person every episode to defend something that is mostly seen as not so great. And for the May 4th episode, I got to be the guest on it, and I did my best at defending Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, yeah. which was super, super fun. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, um, I highly recommend that podcast and possibly that episode. I wanted to, I, I, I thought about like maybe asking to be on that, but then I think I don't know if I like anything well enough, um, more so than others, to defend it. Or if there's something that I do like, it's probably so far down the rabbit hole 
that no one would have heard it to actually call it out. You know, there's mm-hmm. a couple of BBC shows from the mid 1980s, The Tripods and Star Cops, <laughs> both of which I adore, but no one has heard of, especially in North America. So, um, so that would be my only two suggestions. Mm-hmm. And so I can't think of anything else to actually defend. Sorry. Yeah. I think Lego is pretty much beloved, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, um, speaking of the Incomparable Network, what's our email address? Because we do have one. People can actually send feedback oh. to this. Oh, yeah. We have our own, our own email that's, address. That's what I mean. Yeah. What yeah. is it? I don't um, remember. It is lazydoctorwho at gmail.com. Okay. So if you have any questions or something like that. Feedback. Yeah. Feedback or stuff. We're kind of like looking at not doing an educational thing because that sounds very um, condescending. But for there's probably a lot of people who haven't watched the original series ever. Perhaps they've mm-hmm. only watched the new series, uh, which is understandable. And so we're going through this each and every single episode, um, uh, sort of trying to not spoil it. I'm not going to say how the story ends. I've seen mm-hmm. it a good many times. You haven't. I can't remember how many times you've seen this story. Um, possibly never, possibly before I could remember. Right. So. Um, but this is episode four. This is the very middle of the seven-part episode or story, if you will, The Ambush, getting back to that. Uh, what do you think of The Ambush? I liked it. Okay, good. Well, that was it for Lazy Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, that's lazydoctorwho at gmail.com on the... Tw- okay, no. <laughs> um, it, was, it was good. I liked, I liked how it started off with Susan being clever and smart and sort of saving the day again. Because as they got to the end of the corridor and there was the Dalek there blocking their way and he was going to check up on them, you mm-hmm. know, she jumps in. The only part I didn't like about that was the silly, like, close-up on her smiling and <laughs> winking, like, really, really obviously. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe that's fine because it's not like a Dalek is going to recognize that a wink <laughs> means anything because when is the last time any of them actually saw, saw a, wink. a humanoid creature mm-hmm. in the first place, much less a wink. So I'm fine with, with the Dalek not reacting to that. But I'm not so fine with Susan being so overt about it because it just looked ridiculous. I think TV in those days were a little less subtle than they were now. Yeah, that's now. true. That so true. that's mm-hmm. that's more playing to the audience, I think, at the time. Yep. You know, a knowing nod to the audience. It's probably like a Shakespearean <laughs> stage direction is what she was doing there. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. I was impressed with some of the effects from 1964 um, because the bits where they're in the lift that's going up and down and then later on um, when Ian is trying to escape from the Daleks and the Daleks open fire and the wall that he's leaning against <gasps> yes. is all like fiery up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's done with like they did some crazy film inlay effects or something like that where they just sort of like split the fit it's kind of like mm-hmm. almost a split screen and they just yep. sort of mar- mask it off and they did the same thing with the with the lift which i thought was really cool because it actually looked very effective you know everything just sort of went up and down that isn't a working lift in that episode <gasps> i wondered about that yeah. because it really looks like it is yeah but it's a uh, it's definitely mm-hmm. i don't know I, I i i thought it was but then i was like do they really have the budget to do that nope. so that is a live effect you're looking at mm-hmm. yeah which i find very cool because this is this is pre green screen this is like they hadn't even invented that for another 7 years in doctor mm-hmm. who so they're having having them be so inventive um to try and come up with um ideas for effects i thought it was really neat that's what i love watching about you know, mm-hmm. old Doctor Who. Some, not, even, as much as I enjoy the stories, I just love seeing how television was made back then. <laughs> and that's just another thing. Well, one thing that always got me, though, is that later on in the episode, like Ian goes to warn uh, the Thals that they're walking into the titular ambush. And 
he sits there and waits until, yeah. <laughs> until all the fouls come in and said, wait, you're about to get killed. I could have warned you about this, but yes. And so, mm-hmm. unfortunately, one or two of them get slaughtered thanks to Ian's, um, <laughs> Ian's <laughs> lack of action. Then he even apologizes, I'm sorry I was late. Well, I wondered if I wondered if he was waiting just to see if maybe the Daleks had had a change of of heart, a change right. of um, like they they were going to actually oh, work with them. Or but something he only like that. he only warned them once they were sort of edging once out of was, their little hiding spots. Once, yeah, once he was sure the Daleks were actually going to fire at them, or mm-hmm. or he was afraid if he yelled something too soon that the Daleks would just come out shooting, which I guess they did anyway. So yeah. who knows? I don't know. Oh. But yes, I had that same that same thought. Um, one thing that I like is that uh, Pac-Man makes some several appearances <laughs> in this, uh, not just in this episode. It's, I forgot to mention it earlier, but right. some of the designs on the wall. I'm like, oh look, it's Pac-Man. It's a Pac-Man seems, motif. It yeah. almost seems appropriate for this, you know, mostly empty city that's got like you know Daleks sort of float. They sort of Daleks sort of float around on the magnetized or static city. It's yeah. And the food being like the little tablets that... Uh, yeah, there were cherries, right? Or something. Cherries and stuff <laughs> that he eats and then, yeah. And there were cans of something that looked like rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> so you said rolls of toilet paper. Yeah. I said sort of aluminum uh, cans of popcorn, that you, like caramel corn that you give people yeah, at uh, holidays. I guess. It was somewhere in, in the middle of that. It was probably yeah. actually like the size of a tin of like powdered milk or something. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be. Powdered milk. <laughs> we have brought you evaporated <laughs> milk. <laughs> I don't know. You've got to use it for your baking. Like, what was it supposed to be? Flour or... Yeah, what What? what do you think the Daleks put in those We tins? have milled <laughs> chickpea flour <laughs> for your gluten-free recipes. <laughs> Daleks are gluten-free. I, they probably are gluten-free. It's probably why. That's probably why they have to live in those things. <laughs> Shut up. Gluten-sensitive. <laughs> uh, you're so funny. Yeah. Yeah, but it was only one guy that died, I believe. Yeah, they lost another guy in the uh, in the escape, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, and now Tem, no, not Temesis, Antidon. Temesis no. is the one. Temesis yeah. is the one who was killed. Yeah, and then there's there's uh yeah, Alan, Alan, Aladdin, Aladdin, Aladdin is not the one who's now leader. The, the guy who's leader now is another guy. Who started, I always forget their names. I thought that was Alan. Maybe it is. Yeah, because I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, Allie and Tim. Like, those are the two guys that we're talking Tim. about. Yeah, Allie. It's Tim something, Al something. Right. This is the shorthand that's mm-hmm. in my head to try to remember who all of these people are who look exactly the same. Yeah. Well, now there's an internal debate as to what the uh, Thal should do. Um, but mm-hmm. the Doctor and, and, and Co. were going to leave it to their own devices. And then, lo and behold... <laughs> They forgot the fluid link, that the MacGuffin. Was, yeah. That was awesome. I was genuinely, I mean, I know, I knew that there were more episodes coming, but I yeah. managed to make myself forget that for a moment. So had I been watching this just completely cold, mm-hmm. I would have expected them to leave because that was a pretty good adventure. They worked together. They got, you know, they managed to escape from the clutches of, of baddies. And, and that was really cool. So I think that this was enough of an adventure for them to just take off and leave and me to be fine with it. And, and then there, you know, I was, I was relieved when they were heading for the TARDIS. I just had this sort of <laughs> not like ah. the end of episode four. It's like, yep. you know, that's for classic doctor who that's when stories end. They're all like four parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was very pleased with that. And then like just the look on Ian's face as he realizes he doesn't have the fluid. Yeah. Like I was like, no, it was really exciting. It is. Yep. I, yeah. I, I don't know how I felt about the whole... I thought it was interesting and maybe a, 
a sign of the times, the discussion about the Thals fighting or not fighting. And like Ian, the the way he rolls his eyes yeah. at them after, after the Thals turn away and he's just like, but um, on an episode of Verity recently, we were talking about, well, actually it hasn't come out yet, but uh, that we recorded, <laughs> that we recorded recently, about, so. uh, we were talking about military companions and ah, companions who yes. are soldiers and stuff. And somebody was pointing out that at that time, based on Ian's age, he would have had, you know, what is the required military service? National been, service? Yeah, he would yeah like he would have, he would have um, experienced that. And it was just, just a thing that was expected uh, of people at the time. So pacifism was not... Um, not exactly a widespread issue for for people in that era of society. So I, I guess it makes sense that they would, you know, even Barbara was just like, you know, really? Could they really truly be pacifists? Not only that, is that this is 1964, this episode's going out less than 20 years, 20 years before that World War II ended, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's within the lifetimes of... Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's a thing that is still fresh in the minds of most of the British public. So it's uh, pacifism is a, is, a, is, a, is a concept not really dealt with that much, I think, at the mm-hmm. time. So. Yep. Yeah. So I just, I, I mean, I love the idea of the Thels not wanting to fight, mm-hmm. and I think that that's great. And I just, I bristled at Ian's, you know, his thought that they should. And I feel like it would have come off better to me if he would have really pointed out the fact that, I mean, you know, they said, well, we'd probably just go back to our plateau or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they left the plateau for a reason. It was because they didn't have enough food to really survive. But he he didn't point that out. He was just, it seemed like he and Barbara were kind of like, really? You just run away? Like they were hooked on the running away part as Mm -hmm. opposed to the the fact that, you know, you, you'll probably just die out. Um, if they would have pointed that out, then I would have been like, okay, that makes a little bit of sense. But it's it, he just cared about the fact that they're running away and not standing up for themselves, which I think is a dumb reason to fight. I agree. Perhaps they'll deal with more of that uh, in the next episode because they, um, they are stuck on Scarrow right now. Mm-hmm. And they have to get their fluid link back. Yep. In episode five, the expedition. Guess what's going to happen in that episode? <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. You know, I, I was also thinking about the pacing of okay. this story as we were as we were watching it, and and how a lot of people think that it drags and it's slow. And we talked before about uh, about watching it in a serialized fashion, which is what we're doing since we've just been <laughs> one at a time here mm-hmm. for the last couple. And and I was also thinking about the. Peter Cushing movie, the first one, yep. which takes this entire story and, you know, trims it down to a 90-ish minute, something like Put that. that. Um, and I was thinking, you know what, that, if people point at that and say, see, you can take that whole story and you can trim it down and it makes a, a good movie. And you know what, that's, that is true. If you're going to sit down and watch it all in one sitting, if it's going to be a movie in the theater that's consumed that way, mm-hmm. I think that 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 makes sense. Like, that's the way that you tell the story. But if it's going to be told week to week for seven seven weeks and you're getting your, you know, 20-ish minutes or whatever every week, I if you actually cut down that movie and the way that the movie flowed into 20-minute segments, I don't think that that would have made nearly as good of a story as you get when it's laid out this way. Also, I was not alive back in the 60s, so I, I didn't, you know, I, I don't know exactly how people were expecting their television stories to run but i think if it would have been paced the way that we expect tv to be paced now people at the time would have disliked it as much as we many people today dislike the slow pace of the stuff that was happening then so i really think that this is is paced out perfectly appropriately for the time and for the amount of story that they had to tell i mean 
for the first four episodes. I may change my tune for five, six, and seven. I don't know. But any of the bits during this that people might point to and think that would be considered padding, mm-hmm. I don't think it's padding. No. Except for except for okay. Ian's just standing there and waiting. <laughs> well, he did have. I mean, Temesis did have a speech. That's the thing. You know, he was mm-hmm. still doing that. So, I mean, that's that's a thing that really can't really get, you know, he can't get around that. But mm-hmm. um, I, speaking of pacing, I thought this was a rollicking because it starts off with them getting out of the, um, out of their prison cell. Right. Then it's getting past the Dalek guard. Then mm-hmm. it's getting into the, uh, the elevator shaft. Then they have to get down the elevator shaft and, you know, and they have to get Ian out because they're cutting through the door. Mm-hmm. And then he gets out of there. And then it's a, like, it's, it's a constant, like, there's always a boom, 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 boom. There's like four or five or six incidents that happen in this episode, one episode. I think it's just like, it's, it's just a thrilling adventure movie. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people kind of dump on the writer Terry Nation a bit for sort of like being a lazy writer and everything like that. I thought he wrote great adventure stories. Um, just like this. I mean, as a kid, I would have eaten this up. You know, as mm-hmm. a kid in 1963 or 64, I was like, yeah, like, ooh, <laughs> boy, this is like thrilling adventure time and everything. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. very much like Star Wars in a way, and that they're, <laughs> they have to get out of successive little things from the trash, comp- you know, getting into Rescue the Princess to getting into the, uh, the trash compactor and getting out that way. It's all sort of that kind of same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a great spirit of adventure. And speaking of the uh, part where they go up and leave Ian behind, I thought that was very interesting because, I mean... looked at as a whole they had to just have been in and the doctors had to have been thinking we are trying to you know get everybody else away because there's a good chance the daleks are going to come in Mm -hmm. and and kill the crap out of ian yep because that's that was you know they didn't have a (laughs) any way to get him out chances are he wasn't going to be able to get get out on his own Mm -hmm. um and then luckily he was able to and they didn't they didn't show that but i think that that was that was interesting that they were willing to, to sacrifice one of their own. I mean, Barbara and Susan were not as much, but... Doctor sure was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's get out of here. You're on your own, Jesterson. Chesterton. <laughs> anyway. I think that's it. We've almost talked as long about this episode as the episode was long, so... Yeah, so we should probably stop then. We should probably stop. Uh, we won't be doing one episode per podcast all the time, but um, no. these days we kind of are because um, we usually do these right before your bedtime, and so we don't have time to watch two and record I'm a sleepy. It's time to go to bed. It is. Okay. All right. We don't really have a sign-off for this, do we? No, we've just been saying goodbye. Or maybe maybe goodnight. How about goodnight? Goodnight. Goodnight. <laughs>